I want to speak to those who are online this morning and just tell you that we welcome you as you join us, uh, either right now or later as you get opportunity to watch this uh, live stream today. We want to just welcome you. We also want to tell you how much we love you and how much you mean to us. And I just want to remind you this morning that nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Not height, nor depth, not nothing, nothing. Not death, not disease. Isn't that interesting it says that? That no disease can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. The Lord knew what was going on, wasn't he? Didn't he? And, and he said that knowing what we were going through. And we haven't been able to see many of you for months. But we want you to know you still mean just as much and maybe more to us than you always have. We just want to express our love to you this morning and glad you're joining with us and just let you know that our love and our prayers are with you. And I know the Lord's going to bring you through. Amen. One of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is this thing called long suffering. A lot of people don't specialize in that because they don't think you'll ever need it. But obviously we do need it, especially right now. If you've been shut in your house for 10 months, you need long suffering. <laughs> But anyway, I just know the Lord's there. He will give you what you need, and he will uphold you. And we're trusting that soon and very soon, amen, we're going to see an end to this thing. And by the way, you know, it says all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to his purpose. And as I was driving up to the church in the snow this morning, it just occurred to me that maybe this snow and cold weather was killing some virus that needs to be killed. And I thought, we might just come out of this a little bit better than we think. Amen? So isn't it wonderful? God has multiple ways of doing what he does and answering our prayer and being everything that we need. I, we listened. Last week we joined with you online and uh, we had the live stream we were watching as you worshiped and as Pastor Jonathan, as he ministered that wonderful word about love last week. And not only that, we have a little spy camera way back there at the back. And that is a security system for our daycare system. And I have an app on my phone. So she was watching the live stream and I was watching you. Oh, no. I'm not creeping you out, but just let you know, we're just good to see you, even the back of your heads, just to know we're not there, but they are. It's wonderful. Yes. So anyway, we had you teched up last man, and uh, so we didn't feel quite that far away, but um, anyway, praise God. Um, but and continuing on this theme for the month of February of love. And of course, today is what day? It's Valentine's Day. Be my Valentine. You know, I, I, several years ago, I did a little research on Valentine and found out he was a Christian martyr. So then I kind of wondered what Judy meant when she said, be my Valentine. <laughs> 
<laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> but anyway, that's, that's why they've honored him with this day, because he loved God enough to lay down his life uh, for his friends. So anyway, we, we, we want to talk about this morning about the matters of the heart. The matters of the heart. When the Lord called me, to the ministry, he commissioned me and said, John, I want you to go and preach, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And to prepare the way of the Lord is a matter of the heart. And we have a responsibility in dealing with the matters of the heart. Uh, Isaiah the prophet cried out for the Lord speaking, he says, Heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool, but where is the dwelling you will build for me? And the Lord is there saying to his people, both Jewish and I believe also Gentile people of, of the new covenant, you have a responsibility for building a habitation for the Lord. And the Lord wants to dwell in us. And we often say, I've invited Jesus into my heart. And I want us to just speak about that heart this morning. The heart of the matter. The heart of the matter. Because having a healthy heart is a key to loving God. The Lord says, love me with all your Heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all of your strength, that is a command. God's telling us, do it and do it this way. Love me with all your heart. But if we have a broken heart, if we have a troubled heart, if we have a heart that is defiled, how then can we love the Lord with all of our heart? We can only love the Lord with that part that's still functioning, and sometimes there's no part that's functioning. So God comes to revive us and to restore our souls. Okay? I don't want to get too technical this morning, but as, as born-again creatures, we've been born of the Holy Spirit, and we have a spirit. And that is a, uh, the, the means by which the Lord communes with us, and we commune with him, the human spirit. But it's born again in those of us who are believers. The human spirit has been redeemed. It has been renewed. And we have been born of the Holy Spirit. And, um, but we also have a soul. And the Lord cares about our spirit, but he also cares about our soul. And he gave us our soul for a reason. He gave us our soul for a reason. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. That part of us, the mind, the will, and the emotions. And the Bible speaks of it as the heart of a man. And by the way, this, this spiritual heart or this center of man's soul is spoken of frequently in the Bible and is probably one of the most frequently used words in the Bible, speaking of our heart. And the Lord's commanding us, love me with all 
your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Amen? And that's a command given to us that we are to serve him with all of our heart. Don't do anything half-heartedly, and do not serve God half-heartedly. If you're going to serve God, do it with all your heart. You love the Lord with all your heart. Amen. Give yourself completely to the Lord. That is the first consideration of our heart, is that we want to use all of our heart, amen, to serve and to glorify the Lord. And some of you may be asking that question that I asked about 40, 45 years ago when I was really wrestling with this great commandment of the Lord. Jesus said, this is the great commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And, um, and I was wrestling with that. And, and at the time, I was uh, rather newly married. It was 50 years ago today on Valentine's Day in 1971 that I gave a diamond ring to my wife. And so this wasn't too long after that. And so we were still kind of newly married and we had this guy come along and join our family. Um, and, and I was struggling and I go, Lord, if I'm going to love you with all my heart, what about them? What about them? And I know Judy struggled one time because she, she was wondering whether or not we could own a home or any significant amount of property because would we love that more than we loved him? And would that keep us from loving God with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength? And as young people, we were struggling with this concept about how do we do this? And, is, and if we do love God with all of our heart, what does that leave left over for us? But in having our children, we discovered something. Because again, as young parents, we loved this guy so very much. I don't know if you can even see why we would do that. But we loved him so very much. And when Judy got pregnant with our second son, Joel, we were worried when he comes along, will we have to take from Jonathan to give to Joel? It, was maybe, it might seem like a dumb thing to you, but not to us. Because we were wondering. We only have so much love to give, and so how are we going to divide it up? And can we divide it up fairly and equally? But, you know, when we came home from the hospital with that baby the second time, that first moment we held that little boy in our arms, we fell in love all over again. And we found out that God gave us the capacity to love him with all of our hearts. Just as we loved our son with all of our heart, as I loved my wife with all of my heart. But the secret was to love God with all of my heart. And the more I loved God, the more I loved them. That was one of the great privileges of loving God with all of our heart. I mean, it opens up the capacity of our heart to love. And this is desperately needed. You know, in our lives, it's desperately needed in the world today. That song that they used to sing, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. 
You know, but we, the, the, we, now we need so much more love, sweet love. But the secret is you have to love God so that God can instill in you a greater measure of that wonderful thing called love. Amen. And such a joy to talk about this on Valentine's Day is the matter of the heart. Amen. If you go to the doctor, the doctor wants to check out your heart. What's your blood pressure? What's the, how many times is your heart beating a minute? What is your uh, uh, cholesterol? All of these matters of the heart are important physically. And the great physician also is concerned about the matters of our heart. Very important because we want to love the Lord with all of our heart. Amen. And that's kind of what we're studying this morning sharing with you is how to do that thinking about it so i hope that keeps you i want you to meditate on this because it's important because i believe the lord's trying to turn up the volume so that it's louder it's greater it's more amen there's so many people who just need a little bit of love in their life but we as God's people have to be willing to be the one who will stop along the road and take care of the man who's been beaten and injured by some thieves. And take care of this person that we don't even know, but who God cares about and desperately wants them to be cared for. The second consideration is the restoration of our damaged hearts. King David has a heart problem. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. David is, King David's looking out the window and he sees a woman, Bathsheba, bathing on the roof of her home, and lust begins to fill his heart. That lust took over his life. And then he sent for Bathsheba to come to his house and committed adultery and took her in and as his. And it, she did not belong to him. But this thought came into his heart and then it possessed his heart and then it troubled his heart and then it consumed his heart. And then out of that, he began to act out what was in his heart. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And David's sin, that sin of adultery, brought forth a great harvest of trouble, of sorrow and suffering. The death of the baby that was conceived between him and Bathsheba was the first of that harvest of corruption which they had sown and had to reap. And then came a tragedy in their own family. One of his daughters was raped. One of his daughters was raped. And you can say, well, did God do that to punish David? No, that was a consequence of what David did. What you do to others, others will do to you. He took something that didn't belong to him. Someone came along and took his daughter that didn't belong to them. 
And then one of his sons grew angry then and murdered the, the one who had raped his sister. And then that man had to flee away from Jerusalem so David would not kill him. And out of that came a rebellion and a civil war that nearly destroyed Israel and drove David from Jerusalem. Later, David was restored. But I'm just trying to show you that sometimes our hearts can become damaged. This happens to people. Their hearts become damaged. But God is a God of restoration. Eventually, in Psalm 51, you can read the prayer of David. When he came to that time where he could bear it no longer, and he cried out to God. I, Psalm 51, I'm looking at Isaiah 51. Jonathan, what are you doing? You brought confusion to the pulpit. Anyway, Psalm 51. It's not in Isaiah. But it's Psalm 51.10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your free or generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. But here David begins to cry out to the Lord to come and to cleanse his heart and to purge his soul, and to restore and renew the spirit within him, and uphold him with that graciousness and mercy that is God's and God's alone. Amen. So the thing is, we may fall, but God still can lift us up. But I would say, avoid it at all possible. You don't want to go there. You don't want to have to go through what David went through. But even knowing David did what he did, it's amazing and wonderful to me that God made a way home for him. You see this? God makes a way home for his children. Even when they go out in selfishness, even when they live carelessly and waste all of their resources, our God is a God who still holds the door open so children can return to him and to the house and to the, the family and to the table where they can be fed and where their hearts can be restored. God is in the business of restoring hearts. And so I say this this morning because sometimes in life our hearts are damaged. But even if your heart is damaged, God, the great physician, Jesus, can heal your heart. He can restore your soul. He can give you a right spirit. Isn't it wonderful, God giving us a right spirit? Amen. There was David manipulating, deceiving, conniving, even creating, committing murder. 
but God found a way to bring him home. And God wants us to know there's always that way home. And to take that way home. And I would just say to you, do it sooner than later. The sooner the better. Amen. To come home to the Lord. Because, amen, it changes everything. It's a matter of the heart. There's a third consideration. I like to call it open heart surgery. Open heart surgery. Okay. I remember, because I've lived a long time now. I've now become my father and my grandfather. I can remember when, you know. But I, I remember as a child when if someone had a heart problem, there was very little they could do to help them. Many people had to live with that heart problem and their lives were shortened by many years because there was no way to repair that damage that was in their heart. But medical technology and advancements made it possible for doctors to do open heart surgery and open the cavity of the chest, stop the heart from beating, bypass the blood flow through a machine that would keep the heart, the, the blood flowing through the body and through the lungs. And while they had the heart stopped, they could repair it and then they could put things back and that person could recuperate and, and be healed. There's some people who are with us today because of the wonder of open heart surgery. Amazing, isn't it? Well, guess what? David volunteered for open heart surgery. He did. Look, Psalm 139. Turn with me to verse 23. Open heart surgery. Verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious heart, my anxious thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Whoa. David's saying, search me, try me, know me. Find if there's anything that needs to be found in my heart. I want you to find it. I want you to deal with the issues of my heart. I want you to deal with the issues of my heart. And as a kin young man, I read this passage and I read that prayer and go, oh, that's a wonderful prayer. I'm going to pray it. King David was a man after God's own heart. If he prayed it, I should pray it. And I will tell you quite frankly and sincerely and truthfully this morning, I didn't expect him to find too many major issues. Maybe only a few minor things in my little old heart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, let me tell you the truth. Okay, let me tell you the truth. 
<laughs> because I was surprised at what the Lord found in my heart. <laughs> uh, fortunately, mercifully, God didn't deal with everything at once. <laughs> he didn't drive all the skunks out of the woods on the same day. But um, anyway, he kept gently and graciously revealing things to me and showed me that there were some places in my life that I had judgmental attitudes towards other people. Showed me I had some profound fears and worry that controlled me and then made me try to control the people around me. The Lord dealing, was dealing with those fears and those worries in my heart. And then he started dealing with wrong attitudes. Wrong attitudes towards money. Wrong attitudes towards my wife and my children. Now, I want you to know how wonderful my wife is. And how gracious she is. She is nearly as merciful as God himself. There was a point, again, as young pastors, I mean, we opened our house, uh, we read in the Bible, the bishop shall be given to hospitality. So we opened our house to every hungry child of God in the neighborhood. And it's seldom that we ever ate a meal by ourselves. But here she was, the super hostess with the mostess, with two boys who were interesting and challenging to keep up with. And I was down in my office doing the serious business of, uh, what did they call it? Letting be set aside for, for prayer and studying the word. And so this serious pastor taking himself so seriously is down in my office, and I'm praying. And of course, I'm praying for my wife. And I said, Lord, please help Judy be able to keep the house a little more orderly. Guess what happened? The Lord says, you get up and go help her. These are the things God found in my heart. I don't know what he's going to find in yours, but these are the things God found in my heart. And I found out it was better we worked together. And, you know, but attitudes towards my wife, attitudes towards my children. I have to apologize to Pastor Jonathan. We were going to have a perfect child. And the responsibility was somewhat on us and mostly on him. I mean, he was not going to ever disobey. He was never going to do anything wrong. Da, 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 da. But the Lord, you know, finally gets to us and says, give him a break. Let him be a boy. Let him be a child. Love him, guide him, guard him. Someone very wise said, just make a few rules so that they stay out of danger and things that would harm themselves and others. And so we lightened up on him and he survived and he still turned out really, really good. 
but we had other intentions. But God had to deal with us, had to deal with me mostly. But these are things that sometimes I would have wrong attitudes towards my employers and my fellow workers and things like this. The Lord dealt with that. One of the greatest and most serious issues of my heart, and I think of many's, was a matter of unforgiveness. And unforgiveness can just sneak up on you as an issue in your heart. And uh, I know there was a time, you know, one night Judy and I were just about to go to sleep and the phone rang and it was two of my sisters. I have five, so you can't figure out which two it was. But one of my sisters was on the phone speaking for my other sister whom I had neglected and offended. And before I even realized what was going, she jumped halfway down my throat and was giving me a really good chewing out. And me, I just went into shock, <gasps> stunned by this attack at midnight from nowhere. And uh, my protective wife, after I hung up, picked up the phone, called him back and said, don't you ever do that again. And anyway, I, I just dismissed it. You know, it, to me, it was just something that shouldn't have happened. But I didn't think about it relationally or anything like this. And about two, two and a half years later, the, the pastor came to me and said, John, I was praying for you. And the Lord told me, you have two sisters you need to forgive. And I knew which two they were. <laughs> A little issue in my heart. And so immediately I fell on my knees and I cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, I forgive them. I never meant to hold it against them. And I forgive them and I release them. Guess what? We had not hardly talked or had any interaction during that interim time. As soon as I forgave them, we began to talk to each other. We began to be together. Relationship was restored. And I didn't know it was an issue in my little sweetheart. Okay, but it was down there. And it was troubling me, and it was troubling them, and I didn't even realize this, you know. And there was another issue of forgiveness, and it was probably the biggest culprit of them all. And that was forgiving myself. Forgiving myself. And the Lord spoke to me, John, I am God, I have forgiven you. I am bigger and more powerful than you. If I can forgive you, why don't you forgive you? Do you care more than I care? Do you have a higher standard than I do? No. Then forgive yourself. Ooh, that was a wonderful day. That was a wonderful thing to forgive myself. But I want to just talk about a fourth consideration. The Lord says in Proverbs, the fourth chapter, it is, right there it is, Proverbs 4.23, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it 
springs the issues of life. One of the most powerful and wonderful words of encouragement I've ever received was a number of years ago, and Judy and I were in surely what was one of the most difficult times in our ministry. And a man, a friend of ours, Cliff Anderson, called me. He had been an elder in the church for a number of years. But when he retired, he and his wife moved to Southern California, away from that snow and cold and wet, and went down there where it's sunny and warm, and we hadn't hardly seen, I think we saw them maybe once or twice in a period of three or four years. But as we were going through this crisis, he called me one morning and he says, John, I was praying for you. And the Lord spoke to me and said to speak to you and tell you to guard your heart, for out of your heart come the issues of life. And that man, by hearing God and by obeying God and, and speaking to me concerning that, gave me the ability to guard my heart through that situation. I realized I could not change their behavior, but I was no longer in a position where they could change mine, or they could change my attitudes or what's going on in my heart. I could deal with their issues without it overcoming me because I was able to guard the issues of my heart. That word guard means to protect, to preserve, to keep with all diligence the, your heart. You are responsible. You are the doorkeeper of your heart. You determine what goes in. You determine what goes out. You determine what can come. You determine what can stay and sometimes how long it can stay. But it's up to us to guard our hearts. Very, very important that we do this. I want to speak just for a moment this morning about a real issue of our day, which is unclean thoughts. Unclean thoughts. It comes because our society, the media, the internet, all of these things are saturated with pornography, with sensuality, with the wrong whole, wrong concepts of sex. And over the years, I've tried to inspire the young men in the church to read and study the first seven chapters of of Proverbs as a way of keeping their hearts in the right place. And I've asked them to specially focus on chapter 7, because in chapter 7, the Lord deals with the seductive woman, the beguiling woman, who is trying to entice this young man into immorality, fornication, or adultery. And the, the Word of God says this, He went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till an arrow struck his liver. Ouch. 
In other words, he became involved with a wicked woman. And then out of that involvement came this piercing arrow that struck him in the liver. Now that's kind of figuratively, but you think about the liver. It has a double meaning. It is that organ that cleans your bloodstream, regulates your heart pressure, helps you uh, maintain a healthy level of sugar in your blood, helps you dissolve fat, helps you to absorb certain uh, vitamins that you need in your body. It has a digestive function. It also eliminates waste that needs to go out of the body. Your liver is very important. And here is this young man with an arrow through his liver. But if you'd mind me a little play on words, it struck him in his liver. Struck him in that capacity to live right. Bringing death, bringing destruction. If your liver is injured, if your liver is destroyed, it will kill you. You'll jaundice and then your blood will poison and you will die because your liver is not able to function. And this man, by making a wrong choice, was struck through his liver. And today we must also address women on this subject as well. I mean, I was astounded years ago to hear 60, 70 percent of men are involved in pornography. But then recently I hear that the, that the number of the percentage of women is almost equal to the number of men. And I go, what? Why? Women, you are smarter than we are. Don't do these dumb things. We do. Why? But Dr. Chris Ludovic shared with me a verse from Lamentations 1.9. Her uncleanness is in her skirts. Her uncleanness is in her skirts. There's something unclean there. She did not consider her destiny... Therefore, she collapsed, and her collapse was awesome, and she had no comforter. <gasps> this is like getting an arrow in your liver. But this woman didn't consider the decision she was making was affecting her destiny, that it would destroy many good things in her life, and it would keep her from being able to attain many other good things that in her destiny God intended for her to have because there was this unclean thoughts in her hearts. Now, I want you to know today, if you are suffering from sexual obsession or sexual addiction, there is a way out. There is help. I know men who were deep, deep, deep in the depths of darkness and defilement, but they have come out and they're no longer in that cesspool because they took the help that was available to them. And some of them are now in a position of helping others escape from that torment of sexual addiction. There is a way out. And I want to say as a pastor and for the pastors of this church, this church is a safe place. We will not point a finger at you. We will not condemn you. We will not accuse you. We will lift our hand, take our hand down, and we will lift until you can stand once again upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ until hope and health and holiness is restored to your life. There is a way out. The brain can be retrained by the power of God.
to not think those obsessive thoughts. Yeah, sexual addiction's one thing. Should I get personal? Some people are addicted to football. They're obsessed with it. Oh my goodness. If the score is wrong, they're looking for somebody to kill. <laughs> you might be obsessed. There's others who are obsessed with news media. They have Fox News or CNN News on the brain. All they do is watch the news. Okay, some of you are not laughing yet. What about Facebook? Ooh, 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 ooh. But you see, these are obsessions. These are the things that control us because we didn't control them. There is a prayer God never answered for me. Never. God, make me do this. That's called moral irresponsibility. That's asking God to do what he asked you to do. He's asked us to guard the doors of our soul. He's asked us to watch over the issues of our heart. It's our responsibility. So I'm just telling you this morning, guard yourself against these things. They control our thoughts and then our thoughts control us. We're supposed to have dominion over them, not vice versa. Okay? I'm getting a little older. You may have noticed. But, <laughs> he says, yeah, you're one of those that doesn't know when to quit. Yes, I do. I'm trying to get there. But anyway, sometimes my wife would say, what is this person's name? Or I'll say, who is that? Per What's the name of that person? Or, and, uh, and so I go, brain, go get it. I tell her, brain, go get it. Holy Spirit, help my brain go find it. About four or five minutes later, big, there it is on the screen of my mind. Ah, boom. Judy looks at me. Wow, you, how did you do that? I told my brain to do it. I took dominion over God's creation. <laughs> go get that name and bring it to me right now. But you see, this is our responsibility. But we're also to govern our emotions. Oof. No. Have you got both reins on your emotions? You're, are you holding them tight? I don't want to disturb your little heart this morning. But our emotions are wonderful, and they are terrible. Both. They are friends, and they are enemies. So it's important that we guard them, that we guide them, and that we also heed them. When we're offended, when we're misunderstood, when we misunderstand, it is vital that we do not ignore 
dealing with our emotions. I dare say that if you look down at your hand in the kitchen this afternoon and realized you'd cut your finger, what would you do? First thing, maybe you would clean it, then you would wrap it in a paper towel or something and go get a bandage and put some medication on it and treat it. That's what we do to keep wounds from getting infected. But when our heart gets hurt, no, nobody understands me. I speak to the men. We're just supposed to be smart enough to figure this out. I don't know about your snake, but my snake swallows its tail. And there's no end and there's no beginning. And I go, and many times my poor wife has to come and lift me up. What's going on? Do you need some help in there? Yes. <laughs> I do. And you do too. Because we don't always understand our emotions. But we have a responsibility. The Bible says with all you're getting, get some understanding. Understand why you feel the way you feel. Sometimes it's a bit of a mystery. If you were bit by a dog when you were five years old, you might freeze every time you see a dog. But is that helping? No. But you need to, to get some understanding. Why do I feel the way about dogs the way I feel about dogs? Okay, there's certain people been hurt. I had a girlfriend break up with me in college. Went off and ran off with her ex-boyfriend. Got married to him instead of me. I made a decision I would never date a woman who was dating another man again ever in my life. Well, I almost did it, but not quite. That's a story for another day. But we make those decisions. We think we can control things. And we let our emotions control us, trying to control them. We need to get some understanding about our emotions and how they work. And it might come from the Lord. It might come from another person. But we have to understand the moment we harbor bitterness, we, we, we need to quit and just go and forgive that person. And if necessary, go and talk to them. Seek reconciliation. Seek understanding. Don't delay. Don't do, do that. Give them the opportunity to give you some understanding. Give them the opportunity to help you understand what happened. People don't always understand what we mean when we say something. Do you know what I mean? We say this and they hear that. But they're going to hear the wrong thing until they seek reconciliation, until they seek some understanding. No, I never meant to say that, Scott. I never meant to hurt you. I was saying this. Oh, I thought you said that. 
It brings understanding. It brings reconciliation. Give people the opportunity to do that. Especially when you react. And your reaction is overreacting. I came up with an idea as I was preparing this sermon. Maybe our overreacting is due to our under-responding. We're not dealing with the issues of our heart. So then we overreact. God wants us to know we are supposed to be guarding the issue of our heart. Emotions will eventually elicit thoughts and then they will elicit actions. So we have to understand how important emotions are. They are indicators of what's going on down inside of us, in our hearts. And the Lord wants us to understand that. He wants us to guard us and keep us. He will lead us in this if we will ask him to. It just occurred to me to ask you, when you're thinking about something, have you ever dared to pray? Lord, what do you think about what I'm thinking? What do you feel about what I'm feeling? Lord, I'm about to make a decision and an act of my will. What do you think about the decision that I'm about to make? Am I thinking right? Am I responding right? Am I choosing right? Because You see, to guard your heart and your will, what do you have to do? Where's Lorena? Brown. Make good choices. Right? But so we we, we can say, Lord, I want you to help me make good choices. But I don't think you're going to get away with, Lord, make a choice for me. Uh -uh. He created you with the free will. You're supposed to make that choice in conference and counsel with the Lord, with his word and with his spirit and with his people. Then you will make the best choices possible that will guard your will. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what I have to say about guarding your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart, because out of it comes the issues of life. By the way, as I was talking about the arrow in the liver, this doesn't have anything to do with that. But as I was talking about that, the Lord spoke to me and said, there's somebody who's had trouble with indigestion. You have a pain right here under your ribs, and Jesus is healing you now. Hallelujah. The Lord invites us into a holy communion. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hears my voice and opens the door, the knob is on your side, folks. The knob is on your side. But the voice is on his side. He wants in where you are. He wants to come in and commune with you. He says, if any man will open that door, I will come in and I will sup with him and he with 
me. Have you thought about that? I will sup with him. I will, I will process. I will eat what he's eating. I will share what he's sharing. And then he will share what I'm sharing. One day, one meal, he cooks. The next day, you cook. For a while, you talk. And then he talks. That's called communion. The Lord said to Isaiah, come, let us reason together. Let's think together. Woo! What an invitation we have been given to commune with the Lord of hosts, the creator of the universe, the savior of the world, who knows us, who knows us, who knows us. Who knows our hearts, who knows our thoughts, and who loves us. Because as I was sharing you about open heart surgery, I was going to encourage you to maybe sign up for open heart surgery. And you say, well, I don't know if I can take that. But I'll just tell you, the Lord anesthetizes you with an overdose of his love. So that you can go through that and know no matter what happens, he still loves you. Knowing what's going on in your heart, he still loves you. He's still there for you. But I just believe this morning the Lord wants us to understand how important that communion with him is. That he wants to talk to us, and he wants us to talk to him. Many of us, we, we ask God for things, but we don't talk to him. We don't talk to him. Lord, I ask you for a new car. Is there a reason I don't have a new car yet? You just went from, talk, from praying to talking. You're giving the Lord a chance to speak to you. I don't know what he's going to say. He might say, the reason I didn't give you that car is it's not good enough. I have a better car for you. I don't know what he's going to say. He might say, I don't want you to do that now, but if you wait two months, you'll get that same car for $3,000 less. That's not so bad. But that's what happens when we let the Lord talk to us and when we dare to talk to him. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you excited? Are you excited? You have a new job description. Guard your hearts. Guard your hearts. Because God's getting ready to do great things. Guard your hearts. Let the thoughts of God come in and the thoughts of men go away. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Beyond anything that we can hope or ask or imagine. Amen. But he... He knows how small our thoughts are, but he still cares about them. But then he tells us, do you know the sum of the thoughts that I have towards you? Nobody can count them. God is always thinking about us and inviting us always to be thinking about him. Stand with me this morning. Amen. I believe that word of knowledge was for somebody who was injured in a car wreck. Oh, 
You know, whether you're here or you're there, that healing is for you. That miracle's for you right now. And Jesus is doing it. Just thank him for healing you. Just thank him. Receive that miracle. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your miracle working power. Lord, now we come to you this morning and ask you, oh, Lord, to give us grace to guard the issues of our hearts, to walk before you, to walk before you in humility, to honor you. And let us pray that other prayer that David prayed. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. The redeeming love of Jesus is here right now. Some of you have experienced tremendous loss in your life. But the redeeming love of God is not to replace what was lost, but necessarily, but to replace it with something better. To replace it with something better. The redeeming love of Jesus is there to redeem you. That redeeming love buys you out of slavery. That redeeming love pays debts you cannot pay. That redeeming love brings you relationships you thought you would never know. That redeeming love of God is here this morning. Amen for us. Because he is a redeemer. And he wants us to know the message of his redemption as we eat as we eat that wheat that's been gleaned from his field that's all we've been doing this morning is gleaning from the field of our nearest kinsman taking the wheat that was dropped or left behind picking it up and eating it and as we grow in relationship with the Redeemer, we will, like Ruth, one night find ourselves laying at his feet with a whole heap of wheat. And then there'll be a wedding. <laughs> and the next day we'll be married to the man who owns all the wheat fields of the world. Amen. It starts small, but it does not stay there. It keeps increasing. The love of God increases. The glory of God increases. The day of the Lord shines and shines more to a perfect day. Amen. Set that in your hearts this morning, for I know it is the Lord's encouragement to us. Amen. Lord, we bless you this morning. We praise you. We exalt you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, forgive us for being careless with the doors and the windows of our hearts. But Lord, today we choose, we make a decision with our heart to love you and to keep, Lord, your direction and instruction to guard what's going on in our hearts. So Lord, what we've let in that shouldn't be in there clean and wash away. Lord, we will drive it away if you tell us what it is. But Lord, we don't want anything there but what you would have. Let it be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our strength. 
and our Redeemer, Lord, perfect the heart of your people, perfect the heart of your church. Lord, thank you for what you're doing even right now. Thank you, Jesus. We just bless you. We just praise you. Just pray in the Holy Spirit. there's one person in the congregation who lost their job this week and there may be another but I just feel the Lord speaking to you to tell you he is with you always and he will be there and he will provide for the needs and he will open up doors for you do not be afraid do not worry do not be afraid but shout unto the Lord and know that the Lord sees you and knows what it is that you need and will make a way for you Wait patiently upon the Lord, and he will lift you up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. If you're here this morning, you need personal prayer for any reason, we'd be glad to pray with you here at the altar. What? Yes, yes. Don't check. Uh, this is a word for somebody, and I, I um, even as pastor was ministering, felt this strong in my heart there's a scripture that says when my heart is overwhelmed lead me to the rock that is much higher than i yes and i feel like there's some people maybe you're here this morning maybe you're listening online but the circumstances of life the cares of life the the everything that's been going on in our world lately has just overwhelmed your heart maybe your heart is overwhelmed by grief maybe your heart is overwhelmed just just saying i have tried i have tried i have tried and the lord says i am your deliverer i am your rock run to me run to me and even as pastor was sharing i heard this word you know he said our responsibility and what i heard the spirit of the lord say is it's your response and then i give you the ability Yes. In yes. your response is the ability is yes. released. Yes. So it is I who works in you to will and to do according to my pleasure. It is by my spirit, not by might, not by power, not by trying and trying and trying and trying. But he says, I am your deliverer. I am your rock. Run to me and I will set you free, says the Lord. 